Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. Oh, come on. You thought you were going to get... I haven't told you guys a joke since last year. Oh, come on. Somebody call me an ambulance. You're an ambulance. Okay, so this guy was, I can't, I've told this joke so many times to different people. T- please tell me if I've already shared this with you. Okay. <laughs> Too bad, you're going to hear it again. You haven't heard it this year. Um, so, the, the <laughs> so this guy was walking along the coast of California, I, I, and, and he was praying. He was a devout Christian. And he said, Lord, I wish you would just give me one wish. And the Lord, the, the, the sky thundered and cracked. And the Lord, the Lord said, since you've been faithful and good, I will grant you one wish. And he's like, what? Whoa. And, and he said, what would you like? He said, man, I would like a highway from where I'm at in California, my town in California, all the way to Hawaii, so I could drive there anytime I want. And the Lord told him, he said, hey, that's a very materialistic wish. Could I do it? Absolutely. I could do it like that. But that's so materialistic and carnal-minded. What if you thought of something that would benefit mankind more? So I'm going to give you a couple days. Come back with something that's not so materialistic. And, um, and the Lord said, also think about how that's going to impact um, the wildlife in the ocean and all this stuff, all the concrete that I'm going to make appear there suddenly. He said, just, I'm going to give you a couple days. So the guy went away, fasted and prayed for a couple days, and he thought about it, and, and he came back and met with the Lord, and he said, Lord, I think I know what I need. I think, I think this will benefit all mankind. I would like to be able to understand my wife and women. Like, when they say, when they say, like, I don't want to eat, I want to know what they really mean. When they say they're not mad, I want to know what they really mean. Like, I, I just want to, because I'll be able to help marriages be healed. I'll be able to help other men when they're dating to understand and just avoid traps. I just, I just want to be able to understand a woman's mind so, so I can help marriages, help my marriage, and help, help other young men um, understand women. And so the Lord's like, oh, wow, that really would benefit mankind. So do you want that highway two-lane or four-lane? So, <laughs> I know it's so silly, so silly. If I were to pray that, I would just ask the Lord, Lord, what does she really mean when she says, I don't care? That would be the question. Men, you, I know you can relate when you ask your wife, what do you want to eat? She's like, I don't care. And then you're like, well, let's go to Big Shades. I don't want that. <laughs> well, let's go to Ponchos. I don't want that. Okay, let's go get ice cream. I don't want that. But I don't care. Like that, that dude, I, I could be honest. This is, this is just, this has nothing to do with my message. But men's I don't care and women's I don't care are two different things. We can all agree on that. Everyone says amen. <laughs> Except for the husbands because you're smart enough to know not to say that. I'm not yet. That comes in like I think 15 years of marriage. I'm only in like 10 and a half years, so. 
All right, all right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I truly believe that this year is going to be a year of taking the land. I've, I've really been thinking about this and praying about this. In fact, I woke up and the Lord laid this on my head. And, and I, I've never, like, I've never been one to actually go off and seek the Lord, like, Lord, what's your word for me this year? Now, some of you guys might be like that, and that's okay. And we each, we, but some people will go off and say, what's your word for the year? And, and, and I've never actually gone and sought the Lord for one, but he always gives me them. And so this year, when I was praying for this church, I wasn't like necessarily praying for like a word because we have a mission. I don't want to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. We are working an agenda here. And it's to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's written right on our wall, on our foyer. I don't want anyone to be mistaken. That's why we exist. We want to connect people to Jesus Christ. So if we're passing out water downtown, it's because we want to connect people to Jesus Christ. If we're giving backpacks away to school, it's because we want to connect people to Jesus Christ. We want people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. Now, this year, I was praying, and I felt like the Lord said, 2024 is a year to take the land. And instantly, my mind, it, it's, I love it when the Lord downloads a whole sermon series in my brain at once. It was awesome. I had this whole sermon series downloaded called, guess what? Take the land. And so, we're going to launch into this series. But like, What does that mean, though? Because my mind instantly went to Joshua. Joshua was a leader that led Israel after Moses died out of the wilderness into the promised land. He led them into the promised land, the promise of which God gave them, the promise for which he set them free in Egypt, millions of people free in Egypt, to give the people of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey. So when, you, when I say we're going to take the land this year, I pray that you guys get excited like I am because God is going to... God is going to move in families in our church. And, and so I wrote this down because I, I believe that this is what's going to happen this year. Individually, I believe we will be taking back what our enemy, what the devil thinks he has claimed to in our lives. Some of us, the enemy thinks he has claimed rights to some things in your life. He thinks he has claimed rights to your children because of whatever decision you made. And, and, like, and that's how the enemy always works. He, he's... Very legal in his process. So what happens is through life, we open up our, our, open up our lives to the enemy, and then he says, I have a claim now. I have a claim. Well, this is what's going to happen. We're going to reclaim. We're going to take back what the enemy thinks he has claimed to in our lives. This means strongholds are going to fall in families. There's strongholds in families that are going to break that you guys have been praying for years to break. They're going to break this year. This means loved ones are going to be born again. Those loved ones that you guys have been praying for, that they're going to come to salvation this year in Jesus Christ. This means deliverance from curses in our family. Corporately, this means we will be reaching new people and we will be growing. This means we will double down in our efforts to reach that one soul. If it's just one soul, we're going for it. If Jesus left the 99 to find the one, we're going to leave the 99 to find the one. We're going to double down on our efforts to reach lost people. There will be people who are going to be delivered from demons. They're going to be delivered from habits. They're going to be delivered from sin. 
because of our corporate prayers and effort, when all of us together come together and pray, we're going to take the land. I hope we're excited. I hope I instill excitement in you today. But I also want to tell you, when Joshua took the land, it wasn't just like they scrolled in there. They had to go and fight the enemy. So when, we, when I say take the land, I just want us to make an effort this year, corporately and individually. Let's make a decision every morning. I'm putting on the full armor of God because we are going to be doing some warfare. When we start taking the land from the enemy, the enemy is going to be ticked. He's going to rebuttal. He, like you're, when you make a decision to go all in with Jesus and to surrender every part of your life to Jesus, he's not happy about it. And he will fight against you tooth and nail. And the first several months will not be pleasant. But you keep going. You keep pressing. Put on the full armor of God. This year is going to be different than before. We're going to take the land. God has a promise for us. He has a promise for us. He says, upon this rock, I will grow my church. I will build my church. Let's take it. Let's decide that's for us. Let's take God at his word. But we have to fight in his strength. The Israelites had a mighty victory against Jericho. We're going to cover in a couple weeks. But the next, like the next week, they went off and fought in their own strength and they got defeated. We can't take the land in our own strength. It's completely impossible. We can't grow the church in our own strength. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we... We, me and you, you and I, we together have to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to grow the church. It's not your job to grow the church. It's our job to grow the church. It's our job to fight the enemy. Believe me, I pray for you guys all the time. I don't remember the last time I got a full night's rest because the Lord's been waking me up praying for you guys. And so I'm so stoked about what God's about to do this year. It's getting better, but we're going to war. So let's just buckle up, buttercup, strap on the armor, and let's go. God has a promise for us. He has strategies for how it's going to work. His strategies are not our strategies. In fact, I heard a testimony this morning from Brother Bill about how the Lord laid on his heart just to gather cans from his workplace, and he did that for a year and a half. And he was able to raise over $2,000. And guess what that $2,000 went to? To build a church in, like, Central America, correct? Honduras. God used cans and trash to build a church. His strategies aren't our strategies. So that's why we got to listen. That's why we got to get ready. And we got to do what he tells us to do. It's not our strategies at work. The children of Israel had a promise from God. They literally had to just walk into the land and do what the Lord told them, and they would, they would get the promise. But they had to wage war to receive that promise. Some of us want what God has for us, but we're not willing to go to our knees for it. Our, the way we fight as believers is not protesting. It's not picketing. It's not being a keyboard warrior on Facebook. It's getting on our knees and praying and let God move mountains. Let God slay giants. But we still have a role.
But before they could take the land, I want to go back a few generations or a generation today. Because God, God set them free from slavery. But before they could take the land, they had to be delivered from slavery. They were set free from slavery, but they weren't delivered from it. And I think that's the catch. So often we could be set free in Jesus, but we're not delivered. And we don't walk in our deliverance. And so we actually never live up to the, to the call of God on our life. We never live up to the plans of God for us. And we never receive the full promise of God to us because we're free, but we're not delivered. And the Lord laid this on my heart so heavy. I don't want any of us to be free, but not delivered. So we're going we're gonna to look at the Israelites in Numbers chapter 11 today. They were set free from hundreds of years in slavery. They, be, they, they went in as a family, and they came out as a nation. There is millions of them that God set free from Egypt. Even though they are free from Egypt physically, they were, they were not delivered from Egypt spiritually. Simply put, the Israelites were out of Egypt but Egypt was not out of them. And we can be the same way. We can be out of our old life before Christ, but the old life might not be out of us. And we got to choose today to say no more to craving that old life. So let's look at let's look at Numbers chapter eleven. It's it's kind of interesting when you think about all God did for the Israelites, all the plagues that He sent down on Egypt to harden Pharaoh's heart. All He split the Red Sea and drowned an entire army. Some scholars believe that the Red Sea. The, <laughs> I saw a debate once, and this this atheist was debating. Um, this um, apologist, this theologian, and basically he was saying it really wasn't a miracle when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea because there's some evidence that where they crossed might have only been like ankle deep. Well, the Bible says they crossed on dry land. He split it and it dried out. But And so the, the, the theologian looked at, looked at the atheist. He said, I think that's a greater miracle. And he said, how is that a greater miracle? He said, because God turned around and drowned the entire Egyptian army in ankle-deep water. So, like, that's a pretty good miracle. So, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 11. It says, soon. So, they're out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. God has a, a, a land for them flowing with milk and honey. That, that, like, they won't even have to plant crops. They just have to harvest. They won't even have to build cities. They're already built. God has set them up. They just got to evict the enemy out of them. They're on their way. And he says, you won't even have to fight. I will go before you. I will fight your battles. You just got to go and do what I tell you to do. Because God's strategies aren't our strategies. And they're on their way. And this is what the Israelites said. This is what they did. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. It's so interesting when we start to walk in the will of God, 
the enemy will make your old life seem like it was better than what it is. They started to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. And the Lord's anger blazed against them. And he sent a fire to rage among them. And he destroyed some of the people on the outskirts of camp. God takes complaining seriously. Especially when we complain in the light of all his blessing. Now, I don't think anyone's been burned to death because of complaining since this point. But I think there might be a possibility. So, you know, if you're complaining, don't. And if you do, go to the board. Um, so, I'm, I'm just joking. I'll hear you out. And then I'll tell you, that's great. Um, Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as Terborah, which means the place of burning, because the fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the goods of Egypt, and the people, and the people of Israel also began to complain. So I want you to, this is not part of the message, but it is part of what I'm going to tell you. Who you surround yourself matters. Who you let roll with you matters. Because what God's about to do, he, he gets very irritated, but they heard foreign rabble complain about what God is doing for them. And then what did that do? It changed how you complain. If you're always around people that complain, guess what you're probably going to do? If you're always around people that can't see positive, you are not going to be able to see positive. If you're around people that can't see how God's going to move, you're not going to be able to see how God's going to move. If you're around people that don't have faith, you're not going to have faith. Who you roll with matters. This is what Israel said. He said, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and, and garlic we wanted. If they're craving onions, I don't know. Lord. But now our appetites are gone. All we, all we ever see is this manna. The manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale like yellow um, gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground, and they made flour by grind, gr grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in, in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. They're complaining about stinking pastries. And like, these aren't just any pastries. It says, the manna came down on the camp with the morning dew during the night. These, this was divine ingredients from heaven that God was giving them. What they didn't realize is the manna had everything they needed for, it had complete nutrition. It had all the carbs, fats, and proteins. They had it all. God provided it all. And they got to turn into pastries. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining, and the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, Why are you treating 
Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them? Did I, um, in my arms, like a mother carries a nursing baby, how can I carry them to the land that you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me from this misery. When you complain, that's how people feel about you. Just FYI. I'm just saying. My, like, sometimes my kids get in the mood and like they will complain for hours. And I have the dad ability to just turn it off. I could just tune out the world. Amy, on the other hand, does not have that ability. And she'll look at me like, do you not hear this? I'm like, I quit hearing them 30 minutes ago. <laughs> like, like, I'm telling you. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are, are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle and stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take, um, I will take some of the spirit that is upon you and put it, uh, put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not carry it alone. And say to the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have the meat to eat. You, you, are, you were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Mm. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have it. And it won't just be for a day or two, for, or for five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. <laughs> for you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined to him, saying, we, Why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses responded to the Lord, There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with, with me. And, you, and yet you say they will have meat for a whole month, even if we butchered all of our herds and livestock. Um, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Then the Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. Whew. So Moses, So Moses went out and reported... The Lord's words to the people, he gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with Moses. And he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone to the tabernacle, yet the Lord rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young, a young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Anun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord would put his spirit upon all them. Praise God. Because now we 
don't just have the spirit in us, we have it on us. What was just such a 70 people amongst 3 million. Now all the church gets the spirit of God resting on them. So Moses returned to the camp with the elders. Now the Lord sent a wind and brought quail from the sea and let them and let them fall all around the camp for miles in every direction. They um, the there were quail flying around about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught the quail all day throughout the and throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than fifty bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. But while they were gorging themselves on the meat, while it was still in their mouths, the Lord's anger of the Lord blazed against the people, and he struck them with severe plagues. So that place was called Kerboth Hadaava, which means graves of gluttony, because there they buried the people who had craved meat from Egypt. From Kibroth Hadaava. You got to say it loud and proud, and no one knows the difference. The Israelites traveled to Hazeroth, and they stayed there some time. That's a lot of verses. That's a big story. That's um, kind of an interesting thing, though. Here the Lord is providing for them day and night, six days a week. He provided enough on Friday so they could gather the manna and make enough food for, um, for Saturday, the Sabbath. And so he, he provided all that they needed. And he set them free. And yet... They said we were better off in Egypt. So I want to give you, I want to give you a few things. I'm like, I hope that I give you tools to put in your tool belt to walk with the Lord. That this will help you get ready to take the land. Because before we take the land, we got to be delivered. We can be set free, but we might not be delivered. They were set free from Egypt, but they weren't delivered from Egypt. So the first thing I want to give you is when God sets free, don't look back. When God sets free, don't look back. God <laughs> set them free by sending plagues. The Pharaoh would not let them go free. And God sent plague after plague after plague. And finally, he sent the death angel to kill every firstborn who didn't have the blood of a spotless lamb around their doorway. And he, God affected generations at this point. And that's what broke the heart of the Pharaoh. And at that point, he said, you can go free. And then they got out in the desert, and he changed his mind and sent his army after him. And everyone's seen the prince of Egypt. That's pretty much how it went down. And so he sent, he set them free. And as the Israelites were leaving this is what movies don't do justice to. The book's so much better because it's the living word of God. The Israelites were giving them gold. They were giving them arms. Like they walked out of Israel with a fully armed army. They walked out loaded with gold. They were just like, get out of here. Take everything we own. Just we don't even want anymore. Get out. And that's how bad the plagues were. They, they're like, we don't want this cursed people on us. But, but they didn't realize the Israelites weren't even being affected by the plagues. Only the Egyptians were. And they, they walked out loaded. Then God split the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. 
Then God provided manna and quail from heaven to feed them. Then God provided water from a rock to give them something to drink. Then God provided his perfect law so they could worship him properly. Then God provided them, get this, their clothes didn't even wear out. While they were in the wilderness, their clothes didn't even wear out. If they got a tear, I guess it would just mend itself. It didn't wear out. Get this, they never got sick. They had divine health. The only time they got sick is when the Lord caused them to get sick. After all that, They would still miss Egypt. They would still complain. We were better off in Egypt. They kept looking back at what they had given up. Uh, they didn't understand that the manna was temporary. It was only to supply them for the few years that they were supposed to travel from Egypt to Israel, the promised land. It was never supposed to be permanent. But they were like, oh, we're so sick of this. They couldn't look forward to the promise. They, could, they kept looking back at what they gave given up. And, and I, I want you to see what's going on here. Because this is what the enemy does to all of us. This is not just the Israel thing. Because... The enemy always wants us to get our eyes off the promise of God in our life. And he always makes what we give it up look better than what it was. Notice what they listed out here. We miss the leeks. We miss the onions. We miss the fish. We miss the melons. We miss all they could look at the free food they got. Know why it was free? Because they were slaves. The enemy will always make us look at our old life before Christ and see the things that are temporarily pleasing and joyful. And he forgets that those very things lead to death. He makes us forget what that was. He makes us forget the chains that go along with that. He makes you forget the depression that came from that addiction. He makes you forget all the bad all I get, oh, remember that fish? Oh, remember that relationship? Remember, oh, remember how like when you got stressed, you used to smoke like a sailor? You know, remember how you, you know, like he makes you. And, and you forget like, oh, oh yeah, I gave, I gave that up because I was developing spots in my lungs. He makes you forget. Oh yeah, I stopped doing that because I didn't want my grandchildren saying those words. He makes you forget. And that's what he did here. He's like, hey, remember the fish? Hey, how about you complain about not having me? Remember the melons and the cucumbers? Remember all that? Oh, they were so good, weren't they? But they ate them in chains. They were literal slaves. And, and our enemy pulls the same tricks on us. Don't look back. They were free from their change, but still in bondage. My friends, I urge you to let God deliver you from old mindsets. Their mind was still in Egypt, though they were free. Some of us could be walking and we could be born again, but we could still crave the things that we did before we knew Jesus. 
And we got to let Jesus change our appetite. They wanted fish, but yet God was giving them heavenly food. They didn't have a taste for it yet. And when you first come to Christ, you might not have a taste for the things of God because it's so contrary to how you lived before. Let's just be real. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. So you're a new creation in Christ. The Bible says we're born again. So we have to learn, just like Noah over here. He's having to learn to eat. He's having to learn to do all these things. That's when we come to Christ. We're babies. We have to learn. And so we want what we had before because that's all we know. But if we just trust the Lord and focus on what he's given us, we will develop a taste for the things of God. We'll want to do the things that please him, and we won't want to do the things that we used to do. But the Israelites never let the Lord renew their mind. He never let them, him deliver them from old mindsets. They were hungry for what the enemy offered to them while they were slaves instead of letting their taste change for the things of God. I want you to get this. I don't want any of us thinking what we used to have before Jesus is greater and more desirable than Jesus. Jesus is enough. He always has been, always will be. Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than enough. Learn to love what he has for us. It always leads to life. What he has for us is more than enough. The second thing I want to give you real fast is when God sets free, the, the transition time, the transition time is hard but necessary. While they were going from Egypt to Israel, that time was a hard time for them. But it was necessary for them to build confidence. While they were in that time, they fought battles. While they were in that time, God developed them into who he needed them to be so they could go into the land and take it. So they could take the land. It's hard. And when we, when we give our lives to Jesus, like it's not like there's just a transition and then the transition stops. No, all of us, just FYI, if you're in Christ... You are in a transition time. From the moment you accepted Christ, you are transitioning to be more like Jesus until we are in heaven. It's called sanctification. We're in this transition time. And sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's really easy to be like Jesus. Sometimes it's really easy to be loving. But other times it's really hard to be like Jesus. And you have to double down in your efforts to choose. I'm going to love people. I'm going to treat people well. I'm going to be like Jesus right now. I'm going to go out of my way. And it, it's hard but necessary. It prepares you. The Israelites were not set free to die in the wilderness. I don't know if you guys realize that. Like, they, there's a whole generation that died in the wilderness, but God didn't want that. He only wanted them temporarily in the wilderness from Egypt to Israel. They were set free to take the land of promise that God wanted them to have. But they made the transition so much longer than it had to be because they refused to change their taste. They refused to let God change the way they think. They, re they let God set them free, but they refused to be delivered. 
So God, what did he have to do? He had to raise up a whole generation out of Israel that was born in the wilderness that never knew Egypt, that never knew slavery to take the land. They had to wait 40 years. And I don't want us to be like that. I don't want us to be a generation that God has to wait and raise up someone else to fight battles we should be fighting now. Don't let a generation rise up because you're not willing to stand for the gospel. You be that generation. And what's so interesting is they refused to mature from a slavery mindset. They were always victims. You you cannot walk in your purpose and calling that God has on your life if you think of yourself as a victim of the world. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. That's who you are. And did you know (laughs) they stopped their promise by not letting God change them, but also they stopped their maturity, and we do the same thing. Our walk with God and our maturity in Christ is determined by us. It's not determined by God. Well, that doesn't sound right. It is. It is. I'll tell you how. If we want to mature in our relationship with Jesus and become like him, this is how, this is how you mature. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the simplest instruction ever. Simply submit to Holy Spirit at work in you. Simple. Not easy. That means that the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to lay this down at my feet. It could be something. It it doesn't even have to be sinful. Like, hey, you know what? I want you to stop watching rated R movies. Why? (laughs) Because I said so. God never gives us an answer to why, just FYI. He's like, he's like my mom was. Mom, why? Because I said so. How many of you guys ever heard that from a parent? Yeah, because I said so. Some of us have stunted our growth and our walk with God simply because we refuse to be obedient. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit leads us, but he doesn't drag us. He'll be leading us hand in hand, walking with us and and he'll say, hey, how about you drop that off right there? You don't need that anymore. And you're like, uh-uh. And you start, you know, like, like, you know, it's like walking with a kid, and they start pulling against you. Well, like, when I could pull my kid, the Holy Spirit could technically pull me, but he's so gentle, he'll just stop. He's like, I'll wait. And some of, them, some of us stay like a child in our walk with the Lord because we refuse to lay down, or refuse to submit, we refuse to obey Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you to reach out to a, a loved one or a neighbor or to, to forgive. Maybe it's like, hey, that person hurt you. It's time to let that go. You need to forgive them. And you're like, no, they hurt me too bad. Whatever they did to you is not as bad as what we did to God, and he forgave us. And if he can forgive us, we can forgive. And he'll empower us to do it, but some of us are stuck right here. And he's like, okay, I'll wait. And we'll see other people just walking in obedience. And then this is what happens sometimes. Because like a child, they get jealous. They'll see someone that got saved after you. But man, they're just maturing because they're just obeying the Lord. And, and because maturity in God has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with obedience. 
And you'll see people that are younger than you, more mature than you, have a better understanding of the whole uh, of the scripture, have just the Lord's working in them, using them, working through them. And you're like, oh, I want to be like that. And then suddenly we get bitter instead of just obeying. Just obey. I don't want any of us stuck and have stunted maturity. It's so simple. Just obey. God is patient with us, but God wants to use us this year like never before. God wants to use you and you and you like never before in your family, in your work, wherever you find yourself. God wants to use you. But for him to use you the way he wants to, we got to be willing to obey. And it might make us feel uncomfortable. And it might not make sense. The Lord told me a long time ago to delete an app off my phone. You're like, well, how bad was that app? It wasn't bad. It was called International Movie Database. I love movies. I love them. I'm, I, I'm just, I, I like to be entertained. And I had to delete it because it was such a conviction. Because I would go on there and watch trailers and movies because I like movies. And I would waste my life watching trailers and movies. So I deleted it off my phone. I never put it back. Didn't even make sense. not sinful. It's a great resource, just FYI. If you guys ever want to know why a movie's rated R, you can go on there and find out. Why a movie's rated PG, you can go on there and find out. It's a great resource. But it's a simple instruction that the Lord laid on my heart. And we can resist and be stunted, or we can obey and grow. He will leave us right where we resist until we are willing to submit and make him Lord over that area of our lives. Then, once we do, then we mature and learn from that season. I don't want any of us to be stunted in our maturity because we aren't submitting to the Holy Spirit's leadership. The Israelites never grew past their mindset of slavery because they didn't listen to the Lord. They couldn't see what the Lord was doing, even though it is so evident. They, they would wake up and there would be food on the ground for them. The Lord provided water from a stinking rock. Supernatural. And they couldn't see the goodness of God because they were fixated on their old selves. They kept looking back instead of looking forward to the promise. God wants to raise up this generation to take the land. This generation. I don't want my kids to fight battles that I should have fought for my family. I don't want my kids to cast out demons that I should have cast out in my family. I don't want my kids to have to tear down strongholds that I should have tore down in my family. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for this church. When God sets free the transition time is hard, but it's necessary. It's hard to be confronted with the things we need to lay down to walk in the promise. But let me tell you, the promise is worth it. The promise is worth it. That old mindset's not worth it. That old way of life isn't worth it. The promise of God for you and your household is worth it. Last thing I want to leave you with is when God sets free, he gives what is needed for deliverance. He gives what is needed. 
They were free from Egypt, but not delivered from Egypt. God gave the Israelites everything they needed to walk into the promised land. When they left Egypt, he armed them. When they left Egypt, he gave them resources. In fact, when they get to the promised land, the crops were already planted. The buildings and the houses were already built. The cities were already there. They just had to inhabit them. He gave them everything they needed to take the land. In fact, even during the transition, we talked about it, but he fed them quail and he fed them manna. He gave them everything they needed to make the the transition from Egypt to the promised land. He gave them everything they needed for their deliverance. And yet they wouldn't change their mind. I don't want that to be us. Because the Lord's laid on my heart, take the land this year. It's going to happen in your families. It's going to happen in my families. It's going to happen in this church. Look around, because very soon this church won't have empty seats because we're going to be taking the land. Look around, here pretty soon you're going to have to decide whether we're going to go to like the the 9 o'clock service or the 1030 service because we're going to run out of room in this building because there's going to be kids getting saved on the other side of that door. There's going to be people getting saved in this room and there's going to be demons cast out downtown as we pass out water and we double down our efforts to reach people in our community. But we got to change our mind. We got to go all in with God we got to be willing to go to war. God's given us everything we need for deliverance. He's held nothing back. For the Israelites, it was meat and bread and armor. For us, it's the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb. We have everything we need for deliverance. The cross of Jesus in the empty tomb. Instead of trusting God and taking him at his word, they let their flesh determine their level of deliverance. Do you see that? They let their flesh determine their level of deliverance. I'm hungry. My tummy's rumbling, God. I guess this man is not enough. I don't have an appetite for that anymore. They let their flesh determine how God used them. If we listen to our flesh and we never let the Lord change the way we think and let him deliver our mindset, we will never walk in the full promise of God for your life. You might get part of it, You might get blessing. The Lord still blessed the Israelites. They were his people, but they never got to experience all that God had for them because they refused to submit to him. They refused to focus on what he had and on who he is. Instead, all they could look at was what they had. Oh, that that relationship was so good. Or, oh man, when when I was before Christ, you know, like, it's so dumb. We always forget the bad. We forget the chains. We forget the depression, the anxiety, the addiction. When we walk with Jesus, it does not taste the same. 
it does taste different. Walking with Jesus will always taste different than your old life. And Satan will always make something that isn't as good look and taste better. And when you choose what the enemy gives you, I'm telling you this. It's like drinking Kool-Aid laced with poison. It might taste better and sweeter, but it will kill you. That's exactly what the Israelites chose. So God gave us everything we need for deliverance. And before we take the land, I want us to be completely delivered. I want, us, I want to arm us with something today that is a tool. And this is a group effort. Jesus' cross and resurrection is more than enough for our deliverance. Jesus' name makes hell tremble and demons flee. And whether you are born again or you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to receive deliverance is the same. You make Jesus Lord. If you're born again, and you're like, man, I've just been addicted, I've been struggling, whatever this is, whatever's coming against you spiritually, you got to make Jesus Lord of that area. Submit to him. Surrender that. might be money. might be sex. It might be drugs. It might be pride. It might be lying. It might be your tongue. I don't know. Give it to the Lord. If you're not born again, if you're not a Christian, you give your life to the Lord. It's the same. You make him Lord. You believe him. Then you take him at his word. If God said he'll, whom the Son says free is free indeed, I'm going to believe it. If God said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, I want to believe it. I'm just going to believe what he says about me. That he's more than enough. And then we renounce Satan's claims over us. Because if if you're not born again and you're in this world and you've never made Jesus order your life, the enemy has a claim over you. You're like, well, I'm a good person. I don't care. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And if you're not in the kingdom of light by making Jesus order your life, you're in the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy has a claim over you. So we have to renounce it. And some of us, some of us are born again, but we, we're, we're like the Israelites. We keep going back. Our mind keeps going back to, to pre-Jesus days. And the enemy, the reason why our mind does that is because the enemy has a claim there. And we've never renounced it. We never said, no, I don't want that. And so I'm going to give you something. Like, let's put it up on the screen. It's a prayer. And I'm going to step out of the way. If you guys want to take a picture of it, you can. Now, this is not an end-all prayer. This is a generic prayer for spiritual warfare. But I, I want to give this to you because maybe some of you guys don't understand spiritual warfare. Maybe some of you guys haven't done it in a while. But this is a tool. This is a tool that as we go through 2024, 
I can't tell you how many times, even this morning, I was up here singing worship and then a thought goes through my head. And well, guess what I had to do? I had to stop and say, I, re I rebuke that thought in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. I renounce its claim over me because I don't need any disturbance right now. God, I don't want that. And so this is, this is just a stronghold prayer, really. And we're going to read it together. Because I believe that there are people here that have strongholds in their life that they need to give up. And the Lord's been working on you, and you don't even know where to start. And, and let me tell you, a stronghold doesn't fall on a day. Unless God makes it fall on a day. This is a day in, day out decision to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to choose Jesus over whatever this area is in my life that I need to surrender. Randy, how long does it take to tear down a house? Like, on average, like a normal 2,000 square foot house. What? Yeah, a couple days with the tractor, right? Like, with the, with the backhoe and, and then clean. Like, it doesn't, just doesn't happen in one day. There's cleanup, there's residue. Even if, the, even if you come in and just wreck it, there's still residue, there's parts of it laying around. And so we go through, and we keep praying, and we keep rebuking, we keep seeking, we keep going after Jesus, we fix our eyes on Christ, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't look back to the wreck. We don't look back to, to the mess. We just keep tearing down the strongholds. We keep praying. We keep rebuking. So what I want us to do today is I want to pray this with you. So we're going to read it together. And I believe... I, I, I prayed about that, I prayed about this this morning, that I believe that this could be the start of something. I believe this could be the start of something in your, in your family line. I believe this could be the start of something in your personal life, that if you mean this and you believe this and you pray it in Jesus' name, that things can start changing, but it doesn't end here. It's not a one-time prayer. I, don't, I don't, don't know how else to say that. Take a picture, maybe get up every morning to read it. And it's not anything special about this prayer. Make it your own. You know, you can start. When I, dude, when I was going through it in my late teens, what I, what I said, this is what I said. I, I would say something to this effect. I renounce and rebuke any and all claims Satan has over me in Jesus' name, in Jesus' mighty name, and I rebuke um, pornography. Like, that's what I said, because that was a stronghold in my life. Maybe it's something different in yours. Make it your own. But this is a tool. Rebuke those spirits. You have authority in Jesus Christ. Prayers aren't just, now I lay me down to rest. I pray my soul something, something, something. I don't, I don't remember that. I haven't prayed that in a while. All right, let's pray this together. Jesus, I want you to be Lord over all of me, every area of my life. So I submit to your kingship. I renounce and rebuke 
any and all claims Satan has over me in Jesus' mighty name. And I rebuke all strongholds of the enemy against me and my family in Jesus' name. Jesus, I fully submit to you, all of me, for all my life. You are enough for me, my freedom and my deliverance. Amen. What do we do now? That's the end of my message. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. If you meant that, let's give Jesus some praise. Because Jesus is enough. How many of you guys believe Jesus is enough? How many of you guys believe that this year can be a year that is different in your family and different in this church? Thank you. How many of you guys can believe with me that we're going to take the land? Yes. All right. You raised your hands. Two of you guys raised both hands. So that's double anointing on you guys. I can't wait to see what God does. We are going to wreck this community for Jesus this year. People are going to be changed for Jesus this year in your families. Deliverance is going to come to you. If you prayed that and meant that, I would love. If, you, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, please fill out one of the cards on the back of that, in, in the back seats. And I want to talk with you afterwards. If you prayed that and meant that and you're born again and you're like, hey, I, I still need prayer. Come talk to me after service because I want to pray with you. God's going to tear down strongholds and families this year. God's going to deliver families from demonic attack this year. It's going to be amazing. And I just want to get our minds ready. I don't want us to launch into this year thinking with the old mindset. We have got to walk in freedom and deliverance to take the land. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much because you're a mighty God. Lord, I pray right now that you seal in us what you want to do. Lord, prepare us for this year. Lord, let us walk out of here excited to take the land, to take back our family. Lord, let us walk into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us. Lord, we thank you because you're enough. That We thank you that you guarantee victory. We thank you that your cross and your resurrection is enough, that the tomb is still empty and hell still knows that they are defeated. And we thank you, Jesus, because that you're going to go before us and you're going to give us this land as we walk in obedience with you. Now, Lord, I pray over your church in the powerful, almighty name of Jesus. I pray that you bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace in Jesus' powerful, mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. I love you guys. Have a great Sunday. And um, if you sign up for Start C1, we will be meeting right here in like 30 minutes. So we love you guys.